What is good, everybody? We are back in the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. As we do, this is what we do. We talk about football all the time. Basically, I mean, as with everybody we can get our get a hold of, we talk about football every minute of every day. So we're going to be talking football with you guys listening live on Twitch at Big Dudes in the Trenches. And after the fact, on recording, basically anywhere podcasts can be found. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. I am Doug, joined by my co-hosts, Bug and Lil Tug over there. How you doing, man? Uh, doing good, man. Doing good. I'm glad. Uh, I- I'm-, I'm happy and sad. It was a great game, but uh, the main football season's over. Uh, and that depresses me every year. Yeah, man. I'm just glad that our, our wait for football to start back up is significantly shorter now than it ever has been before. So get up for it. Get excited for it. Uh, we don't have any non-NFL pro news to talk about today, and really most of the NFL news is centered around the Super Bowl anyway because, of course, it is the the end of the year of football, so to speak. Uh, but we got Redneck New Year just around the corner, so you know, get up for that. We don't, we're not a NASCAR podcast, but I just thought I'd – I'll throw that out there for everybody. <laughs> and because of the end of the NFL season and the college season has been over for a little while now, and honestly, non-NFL pro stuff has been dormant for a little while, will be dormant for another couple of months, technically, on that front, we're going to be going back to one show a week here during the off season. But this show we are very excited about because we wanted to review the Super Bowl, everything that went down, talk with you guys about you know the commercials, the halftime show, and everything in between. Well, all and the of ex- course the game. Of course the game. Uh, <laughs> of course, that's what we're mainly here to talk about. But we do have a little bit of news to get through at first. Uh, not really too much. Uh, like Bug said, you know, all the NFL stuff has already happened. It's what we call the Super Bowl. That's kind of important a little bit. Um, but we do have a little bit of college news. Wanted to address up front. Just get it out of the way. Let everybody know what we know and what we think about it. So I guess let's start there. What do you guys say? Any objections to that? Starting there? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about some extensions because, well, first up, Luke Fickle got extended at the University of Cincinnati through, I believe, 2025, $5 million a year. The assistant coaches pool got expanded by over a million dollars a season, which is incredible for a group of five program. Now, they won't be a group of five program very long. They probably have another year or two under that moniker until they join the Big 12. But in the meantime, Coach Fickle is going to be paid pretty dang well. Yeah, it, I think everybody kind of saw this coming. You know, there were some people saying and speculating and expecting even that he would take a different job, a bigger job. Like, no, he's built this program up. They're finally going to get the respect and the conference that they deserve. And they got more respect than I think anybody would have thought they would previously just by getting to the playoff this year even if the average fan says, we'll see, they didn't belong. On that token, you know, guess what? Michigan didn't belong either, right? So it, it didn't make sense that he would leave. 
and now there's concrete evidence that he is at least making a commitment right now to stay. Yeah, and he and he's earned it too. And I, I appreciate the buy-in from Cincinnati on this expanding that co- uh, the assistant coaches pool by one million every year. That's the type of thing you need to compete up at in the Power Five level. Um, I mean, look at Ohio State's coaching staff and how deep it is. Just the number of coaches, the number of coaches Alabama has. Absolutely, you need that at this level. Uh, and I'm glad Cincinnati's buying into it and lead turning it before they just pop up in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and you talk about a couple of teams not deserving to get into the college football playoff. I mean, they earned it. They earned their way in, going basically undefeated for two straight seasons. Only losses were to Georgia in the Peach Bowl the previous year and to Alabama in the college football semifinal. So certainly understandable why they got in there. And they have a very exciting matchup early in the season this coming fall against Arkansas in September. If they go down to Arkansas and win there, they could be in line for another college football playoff berth. I mean, believe it or not, Cincinnati has a schedule to compete for that sort of thing again next season still in the America. So we'll see what happens there. But the next extension is Dave Aranda down in Baylor. I mean, they just won the Big 12 for the first time, as far as I can recall. I don't know if they have won it before. <laughs> Honestly, I didn't look that up. I mean, Baylor winning the Big 12 is not something that has happened in my lifetime until this past season. So that's pretty incredible. I mean, did Dave they Aranda, not win it with RG3? No, they did not. Okay. So it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing what yeah, they were able to accomplish this past season. And, uh, I mean, Dave Aranda has put together an incredible defense at LSU, winning that national championship, go to Baylor win the Big 12. I mean, wow, what he's done there. So that not only rewarded him with an extension, but it's a long-term extension, too. He is staying at Baylor until, I mean, technically, according to this contract, at least, through the 2029 season. That's pretty massive. Yeah, it Absolutely. really is. I, I think Baylor's one of those programs, too, that when they're better, for whatever reason, because I don't I don't think they're up in the same level as a typical blue blood in college football, but when they're better, I feel like the Big 12 is more relevant. I, I don't know if that's you know a misnomer or what, but it just seems like when they are playing better, people care more about the Big 12 for whatever reason. I think that's a fair statement because I wouldn't really call them a blue blood either, but the Big 12 has only a handful. I, honestly, two schools that I would consider blue blood, both of them are leaving here soon. And when Baylor and Oklahoma State and those teams are relevant, the Big 12 is more relevant because it's not just those two teams again. If anybody gets mad at us saying there's only two Blue Bloods in the Big 12, got to consider Barry Sanders went to Oklahoma State specifically because Oklahoma State was not a football school at the time. So it's, it's very much the case. He, he made it Texas, a football school. Oklahoma and Texas were the brands in the Big 12 and will not be in the coming years, and that's going to have to transfer to Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, as much as possible. But Cincinnati, BYU, UCF certainly bringing in, a, bringing in quite the brand themselves. I mean, Houston hasn't won a national title, but at the same time, it is a big-time school in a big-time city. So, then, Big 12 is in a good place going forward. 
I'd love to talk more Big 12, honestly. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to say it myself, though. I mean, we've got way more important things to talk about today. <laughs> Facts. Yeah, yeah. We will definitely talk about the Big 12 quite in depth coming this summer. But at the same time, the Super Bowl just happened. So let's go ahead and forget about college. Let's go ahead and talk about the Super Bowl. And for most of the rest of this show, I'm going to be handing this off to Bug, who's going to be leading this discussion because he's our NFL man. And at the same time, you know, this was a pretty good game. So we got to talk about it. Absolutely. And I want to start off, you know, the game, it might have had a little bit of controversial ending. There are definitely some controversial calls, not just at the end of that game, but kind of throughout that led to some key scores. The game is the game. Everybody's talked about it, dissected it, and we will too. But there's some other fun things about the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is more than just a football game. It really is a full event. And uh, hold on one second, guys. My kid came in here. Yeah, so actually, the way we organized this show, we were going to talk about the commercials first and foremost. Because, I mean, come on. They're a little bit fun. Um, oh, man. The Hellman's Mayonnaise commercial with Jared Mayo. We clowned it before the Super Bowl happened, and then we saw it, and it was like, when I heard Pete Davidson and Gerard Mayo were doing a commercial together, I, I scoffed. But Pete Davidson getting annihilated by Gerard Mayo and said, Yeah, I'm pretty punchable, or what you know, whatever the line was. Like, that's just that's beautiful. Love to see it. Thank you for tuning in, Kaylee. Uh, also, the Alexa commercial. That was another one that I clowned. Wasn't a huge fan of, but that was pretty funny, too. Yeah, I was surprised by that one. I'll admit. War of the Rings, we got a teaser there. We talked about that on the show last week. But there were a couple other uh, entertainment previews and premieres, debuts, whatever, that popped up here. The Moon Knight trailer. I know you were losing your mind about that, Doug. Forget all the movie spots, the Moon Knight trailer. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm excited for that. If you don't know who Moon Knight is, you will be very surprised by the show. And if you do know who Moon Knight is, you should be very excited. Because that is that's going to be amazing. <laughs> I, I know very little about Moon Knight, and I'm excited because to me, he's a pretty mysterious character. So I'm excited for that. I'm getting up for it. And, you know, Netflix has signed a few actors. I kind of knew they had signed Ryan Reynolds to a few movie deals. That new movie with Ryan Reynolds looks pretty cool, though, as well. I can't lie about that. At the same time, it feels like another movie with Ryan Reynolds. You kind of know what to expect at this point, right? That's what they're all, they're all fun. So I think it's fun. I was going to say, that's entirely fine. That's perfect. I just, I know what to expect. It's going to be right. a good movie. I'm Personally, I'm still waiting for Deadpool 3. But, uh, you know, I'll take what I can get on Netflix for now. It's coming. I, can, I almost promise you that it's coming there. Uh, Doritos, once again, with a solid commercial. Uh, one that I was kind of surprised we didn't see was a Mountain Dew Spark commercial. I don't know if, if either of y'all have had Mountain Dew Spark. But I know last year when Major Melon was introduced on the market or two years ago, whenever it was, you know, I'd seen it kind of pop up uh, mid-January, mid to late January, uh, you know, just sporadically. And then big Super Bowl commercial with John Cena. Of course, everybody remembers that. 
Uh, no, no Mountain Dew Spark commercial this year. That was that was interesting to me that they didn't buy a spot there to to sell their new product because I love it. I don't know if you guys have tried it or not. I am more surprised that they did not promote a hard Baja Blast because that is supposed to be coming this spring, and yes. I am so ready for that. But they don't need to promote that. That promotes itself. Fair, it, right? That's, the fact it, that we're it talking about it already means they didn't. I mean, that, I guess. I mean, let's let's be honest. The reason Super Bowl commercials really haven't been what we remember them to be is just the cost of a thirty-second spot during the Super Bowl. It's absolutely nuts. But you still never see a Maserati commercial, right? Maserati sells itself. Exactly, it sells itself. Yeah, Ford Mountain Dew's going to do the same. Well, the Anna Kendrick and Barbie commercial for a uh, you know financial product was really depressing. <laughs> just, I think I missed, missed space. Another one that I think was way off target there was that T-Mobile Dolly Parton Miley Cyrus two-parter. Gross. I, I don't know who greenlit that, but they need to be fired. That was and, pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Not just that one, but the whole metaverse concept in general was disturbing to me. And the fact yes. that they tried to make a Five Nights at Freddy's commercial you know, with uh, metaverse characters really grossed yeah. me out, and I, yes. I, I do not want Mark Zuckerberg in charge of Web 3.0. So metaverse is already dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> this commercial like solidified that. It didn't help their branding at all. There, there are things <laughs> that, and I know the metaverse is going a lot into VR stuff. There are things I want to experience in VR. Five Nights at Freddy's is not one of those things. <laughs> Like, let's just put that out there. Like, ironically, I'm, I'm that good. would be a better experience than what Facebook will <laughs> otherwise give you. Can't say you're wrong there. Uh, one other, you know, a couple other commercials. We got the Clydesdales back a little bit. Singular Clydesdale. Yeah, uh, wasn't the big return we were kind of hoping for, but it's something. I think it's a step in the right direction of getting, you know. Probably the most iconic figures in all of alcohol, uh, back on the air on the uh, airwaves <laughs> television, uh, and then that Coinbase commercial. Man, not only was it a hit, you know, with the DVD esque uh, bouncing around there, so Office fans were losing their mind. The deal they had on there, it wasn't like you had to do it and go to make a Coinbase wallet and register for the three million dollar entry immediately, because it actually crashed their website from people doing that you have 48 hours about to go do that so that's pretty cool they were able to knock that out i don't know i know we use sleeper i don't know if every anybody else does for their fantasy leagues but they highly new, recommend their new uh their new squads sleeper squads that's their uh their gambling their gambling piece of their app all you had to do was enter and for every crypto commercial there was you got five dollars so everybody walked away with 20 bucks uh i think crypto.com itself actually had that as well Overall, I think the commercials were better this year than last year, which goes well because I think the game was better this year than last year, too. They were better commercials than last year, but at the same time, they do not stack up at all to what they were like 10 years ago. No, not at all. But I do got to say, I'm with you guys. I appreciate the Coinbase one because it's a financial company that spent how much money for the commercial spot. So they went with the simplest design. That drew everybody and their brother to their website because nobody knew what it was. It was just a QR code. 
immediately everyone tried to scan it and follow it to the website. And that is A plus marketing right there. I mean, fair. But also, give me some creative, please. <laughs> I would argue that it was pretty creative. I love it, guys. I love it. And, you know, that wasn't the only non football related entertainment. For my money, the halftime show, man. This was this was the best halftime show that we've seen since Prince. And I, I struggle to say Prince because obviously my memories of the game are shadowed by the fact that the Bears lost. Purple Rain in the Rain has held the title of best Super Bowl halftime show. And right off the bat, before we're getting anything else about this, what did you guys think? Does it is it better than that? Is it better than Aerosmith? I know those are probably one, two, and three in some order for pretty much everybody. Janet and JT are up there as well, obviously. <laughs> for all reasons. <laughs> there are people that you know, I've seen both ends of the spectrum on this one. There are people that hated it, there are people that loved it. Be honest with you, not really my type of music, but the show that they put on, what they put out there, absolutely fantastic. The transitions were seamless. Uh, and then bringing back some some old hits that I remember from my childhood, too. Like, ab- I I really appreciated the show. It's going to be up there for me, too. I know we are on very different kinds of social media, but the consensus that I've seen is that if you're under 30 years old, you will not like this halftime show. <laughs> that checks. I don't, so, I don't know. I feel like it's if you're over 50, you're not going to like this halftime show. I, I mean, I, I've seen that too, but I've also seen I, the range of over 50 or under 30. And I was going to say, like I, I'd range it like 25 <laughs> because I think all three of us liked it. So I'll go 25 to 50 was the ra- or 20, 25 to 49 was the range to like this one. I will say that I really wish Kendrick put on a better show than what he did. And that's not saying that he didn't do anything creative with it. I'm just saying the one song that he did in full was like his worst song. <laughs> so it, it, I remember it, <laughs> I remember you saying that immediately. And I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know. I don't know a ton of Kendrick Lamar anyway. So the fact like the, I will say the one drawback here was the music was really loud. And the fact that I don't know his songs, I couldn't really hear any of the vocals, but I knew most of the other songs, right? So to that, that fair, took it away from me a little bit. To be fair, most of his other stuff that I enjoy a lot has all, a ton of stuff that would have been censored or cut out by the NFL or not permitted. So <laughs> See, I, don't, and- I don't know if they would have allowed you know, swimming pools because of all the drinking and alcohol references. If they would have allowed some of the other stuff because of all the other curse words he uses, or you know, all the n words he uses. I'm, See, I mean, when you say that, I, I think the NFL did take a little bit of a note from the NHL when Snoop Dogg performed at the NHL All Star <laughs> Game when it was in LA, because that was a 10 minute performance, and about six and a half minutes of it was a censor bleep. I, I don't want to say that they were lip syncing but it sure felt like that because oh yeah everything else was going and you like it just cut out perfectly like it wasn't well, like they looked I, away from the mic a little bit or anything like that so and i very highly doubt they got dre to censor himself more than once or snoop dog yeah. for that matter true but dre well, especially 
They couldn't keep Snoop Dogg sober backstage. Y'all see that picture come out after the concert? That was on the field. That wasn't even backstage. That was <laughs> yeah. on the field before he took the stage. Oh, man. My dude getting a little pre-warm-up going. And Kaylee, yes, 25 to 45, I think, captures everything we're talking about, honestly. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know too many people under 25 or over 45 that were, you know, clamoring for this. But I think the everybody up, had to enjoy it. The upside-down 50 cent did catch me by surprise a little bit. 50 cent or dollar bill? Oh, God. No, I went to the candy shop and never left. Don't be making bad jokes on a 50-year-old man. Come on, man. I, I was going to say, like, I can't say too much. The man's getting older. I've put on my own pound since, you know, the time when he was actually singing those songs. Um, you haven't grown was, any, but I've grown like a foot and a half at least. Y- yeah. So. I, no, I grew. I grew out, not up. There's a difference, sir. <laughs> um, but no, for real, I thought, I, again, fantastic. I did not recognize him at first until the music came on. And yeah, that did freak me out just a little bit. That's and sad. I love how meme memeable that entire like just intro of him was. It was kind of kind of brutal. I will say one of my favorite things about the halftime show was the introduction. You know, the the NFL has, and Pepsi, of course, have gotten in this mode, this tradition of having this big theatrical introduction to the halftime show. And of course there was an introduction to the game. Don't worry. I'm going to get to that. I'm not letting that slide. Dwayne. Uh, the introduction to the half. It's his fucking name. Introduction to the halftime show, that commercial, that video game looked a hundred times more fun than Madden. Just saying it, just throwing it out there right now. NFL. If you're watching, if you're listening you have got to stop with this exclusivity with EA. Let somebody else make a game. I hope this 2K game is even remotely close to the animation and just the overall fun that that, that fictitious game looked like. You know, forget the fact that they jumped out of the screen. That animation style, something like that, something that's going to be a little off the wall and ridiculous. A palate cleanser, if you will. And we can have another bigger Madden discussion. We've obviously gone and bitched and raved about it before on the show i think i think we need to start having a better discussion about how this how to fix madden and nfl football games in general that's not the time or place but i do think that this commercial uh it definitely reinvigorated that in me that hey something's got to give and even that five seconds of them playing that game looked more fun than what we have right now at the same time what do you really (laughs) expect from madden anymore I don't I mean, know. This is a. It's been a, a decade and a half of people saying, "Well, you're just paying for a roster update," and honestly, it's worse than that because you're paying for a roster update with fewer features every mm-hmm. single year. So, it's, and sometimes you're missing players. Right. So, what do we, what do we really expect of that at all? Yeah, I've given up on gonna... it, which is really sad. You know, especially considering John Madden's name is on the product still. But well, you know, giving up. And on uh, Tyler, thank you for joining us. Uh, moving to John Madden a little bit as well. Obviously, he passed at the end of 2021. Right. And there is still a game that bears his name, a game that he played a big part in. Sticking a little bit with some Madden NFL talk, they just released a video honoring and paying homage to John Madden. And it's February 15th. It came, I think, 
according to YouTube, it came out yesterday. So it came out on Valentine's Day, but that's not any better. Like, come on. Come out right. the day after the Super Bowl. The man died in December. It's a great video. It's a great tribute. It seems contrite to me at this point. But what didn't seem contrite to me was the NFL recognizing and honoring John Madden before the game. His son and family were recognized on the field prior to the start of the Super Bowl. And uh, then there was the introduction to the Super Bowl. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. What did you guys think about it? Because I just thought it was awkward, moderately uncalled for. Yeah. I I was waiting for there to be a point behind it. I mean, it's classic rock, trying to get everybody amped up, things like that. Understood. Cool. Fantastic. Another L.A. superstar. Sweet, right? I don't know what the point of it was. Was it just to put him out there? I mean, we have it here. Is this really kind of a lead into an NFL relationship with the XFL? Like, what was the purpose of it is my issue. I don't know what the purpose was, but I just really wish he would have said, you know, it's about drive, it's about power. I actually thought he was going to be part of the halftime show, and I thought that's where that would have come out, because that would have been perfect. Put in the work, put in the hours. So, <laughs> I will say... Take what's ours. NBC has... <laughs> NBC has the Young Rock show, right? So, obviously, there's the connection there, but I think the NFL had to know we put the rock out there. We let NBC put the rock out there. The XFL is going to end up getting more, more eyes on it. Right. The only thing that maybe kind of goes against that is that we still have to wait a full extra additional year before the XFL comes around. All of this to say the NFL has to have at least a little bit better view of the XFL moving forward because there's no way they let the rock out there unless they do have those feelings. I mean, I, I think you're right. It's like I said, I'm just surprised that, again, that's a publicity stunt. That's the entire purpose of it, but they didn't really push anything, right? They didn't push the Young Rock. They didn't push the XFL. So I'm kind of confused. I wonder if that's what it was starting as. And the NFL came down and said, yeah, you can put him out there, but you can't mention the XFL. That sounds like a very NFL thing to do. When you when you look up The Rock now, the XFL is going to come right along with it, right? So it's un- it's one understood. of those things, too, where, you know, I they talked about it a little bit going back to the halftime show. The NFL does not pay their halftime performance. You pay to perform at the halftime show, and it's because your record sales skyrocket yeah. for three, four, five months after the Super Bowl. Because yeah, people are looking spot. you up. Yep. They're, the NFL is not stupid. When people look up The Rock, the XFL is now associated directly with him. It's going to come up. It, it's Yes, he didn't say anything explicitly about the XFL, but it's it's going to come up, right? No, I, I agree. It's just, again, it, it felt like his intent was maybe to say something about it, and the NFL came down and said no. So, yeah, he's still getting that that secondary, that indirect publicity from it for the XFL, but he wasn't able to go out there and say it firsthand. And that still, like I said, sounds like a very NFL thing to add a restriction late in the game to prevent him from doing that. Either way. (laughs) Either way. I got one of you on my side. uh, Of course, the standard, hey, look, there's a bunch of celebrities here. Yeah. That happened as well, because the game, of course, was in Los Angeles. That's really all there is to say about that, because 
It's kind of a perfect lead into talking about the game itself. To the victors go the spoils. I've got to start with the Rams, right? We talked about it. Doug, you and I both picked the Rams. Uh, Doug, I'm still – I don't hate your pick of the Bengals, and it looked like they were definitely going to win it. I thought they had it there. too. I thought they had it. Uh, it didn't turn out that way. So That's I want right. to I want to start by talking about the Rams here. Cooper Cup, right? We talked about him, you know, earlier or last week actually. Offensive Player of the Year, and I thought he should have won the MVP. You know, we I don't want to rehash this conversation. But Cooper Cup did something that has never been done before in a single just, season. Just so we're clear, you're saying regular season MVP because he did win Super Bowl MVP. He did win Super Bowl MVP. And this has never been done before in a single season. It's only been done by one other person over the course of his entire career. And that is win the receiving triple crown, win offensive player of the year, and win Super Bowl MVP. That man is Jerry Rice. And that is some amazing company to be in for a guy who had zero stars and played at Eastern Washington. And, man, it, it does go to show, too, what a difference a quarterback can make because Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford really elevated Cooper Cup's game. And there's another guy that Matt Stafford elevated, and that's OBJ. I even said, you know, in our private conversation, if OBJ had won Super Bowl MVP, even after tearing his ACL, I wouldn't have been upset. He probably would have won it if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, too. Because just the two of them, it was impossible to cover both of them. And then I got to throw this one out here, too. Daryl Henderson out of the backfield, is pro he's the best receiving running back on the Rams. And he was a problem for the Bengals multiple times during the night. I thought for sure you were going to say in the NFL, and I was just going to bring up Antonio Gibson but or, or Christian McCaffrey. But either way, no, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, Cooper Cup, fantastic game. He is a nightmare to cover. Uh, he's all over the field. I saw his route tree on the season after after the game, and his routes cover the entire like the entire field at that point is covered. So Cooper Cup's all over the place. He has a chemistry with uh, with Matt Stafford that I don't think we've seen in a long time between a quarterback and wide receiver, and it's it's fantastic to see, and that's what elevated both of their games. I don't think it was just Matt Stafford elevating Cooper Cup. I think it was Cooper Cup also elevating Matt Stafford. And As before we get before we get too much more into this, if you have a comment question about the Super Bowl you want us to talk about, go ahead and drop a comment. I know some people might not be able to see the comments, so just wanted to throw that out there. Speaking about OBJ's knee, though, we've talked about this a little bit on the show as well. Debo Samuel came out and said, ban turf. We need to ban it from the NFL. Go back to natural grass. What do you What do you guys think about this? Because I know we've said players have kind of spoken out against it, but to see a player tear his ACL on a non-contact play in the Super Bowl, and then another top wide receiver in the game tweet his support for that very cause of getting rid of turf. What do you guys think? Do does the NFL need to move in that direction? I'm always going to say yes because I prefer natural turf anyway. We, we've known that from the stadium bracket. That being said, when you put natural turf in, you start running into other issues, right? You start running into more ankle issues at this point now because 
they're going to get ruts. They're going to, you're going to tear it up. The amount of money that goes into care for natural grass is a lot of reason why people don't use it. OBJ's injury, I'm not entirely sure that was an issue with the turf this time. And the only reason I say that is because it was also the same ACL he tore last season that realistically he's still recovering from. And you didn't see his foot slip out to cause the injury either, right? That's usually the argument is you don't have as good of grip on turf as you do in natural grass. I didn't see his foot slip out. It just happened to, he planted the foot in a bad way and it, it jammed his knee up and then a slight twist motion popped it out. Like that's, it's brutal. It's a freak injury. I don't know if this one's entirely on turf, but if we're going to use it to push forward to go all natural grass, yeah, let's do it. 100%. I mean, yeah, I would prefer natural grass as well, but I don't have a great explanation for that. I just think, you know, the general uh, concept of turf instead of grass has been, it's changed the sport a lot. Let's be real. I mean, since the 80s or 70s, when this stuff was introduced, sports changed. And we've seen it change. The amount of money has changed, too. Right. But we need to to keep something. We need to keep something here. Because the sport that was actually invented in Canton, Ohio, was first brought to colleges and, you know, Rutgers University. I mean, that's that sport has changed so much, and to bring on concepts like the blue turf at Boise State, the red turf at Eastern Washington, the purple Central and Arkansas, yeah, the out, right. that abomination, yeah, right. That kind of thing is really kind of gross to me, <laughs> to be honest oh. with you. And you know, even the green turf, it's just. It changes the way you have to move on the surface. The idea is that you're actually touching grass. And so let's get outside, let's touch some grass, and let's be real humans for once, and let's, let's play on the grass surface. The, the other thing with it, too, when we're talking about this, that, you know, take it for what you will, whether they're just swapping out their spikes or they have entirely different cleats, it's not just moving differently. You have to equip differently to play on turf than you do on natural grass. Right, regular cleats that you all three of us probably used growing up playing high school ball or even youth ball don't work on turf. They don't work on artificial turf. You actually slip more with them. So that that's another argument for hey, let's keep it kind of standardized across the field, across the NFL. And then you're talking a different type of home field advantage with that too, because you can plant whatever type of grass you want. I don't care. Um, and then you you get used to that. Like there's there's all these different things that you can do with natural grass that is fantastic. You know, you you mentioned it earlier. You're right. His his knee didn't or his foot didn't move at all. It was it was stuck in the ground. And I, I've seen injuries like that happen uh, on grass. Actually, it happened to a teammate of yep. mine. He completely dislocated his knee because his foot just got stuck. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. I don't know how much of that is a turf caused injury uh but I, I i tweeted it out at the time during the game as well you know non-contact injuries are the most terrifying to me yep. and for everything that obj was able to overcome you know going back to how he left new york and then 
he wasn't vocal about it, but his dad sure was. All the issues with Baker Mayfield to to this, uh, it is it is a little disappointing uh, that his his Super Bowl ended this way. Because like I said, I fully think he wins Super Bowl MVP if he doesn't go out. He another was wide that kind of game. He was, and another wide receiver that had to step up for him, Van Jefferson. He didn't get to celebrate with his team. Uh, his wife actually went into labor mid game. I don't know if you guys saw this. His daughter. That was at the game already. I think she looked like she was about uh, between five and eight, I would say. Saw the back of her head with him holding her, you know. Sue me. Uh, he grabbed his daughter and went to the hospital as soon as the game was over to be with his wife and new child. Uh, congratulations to him. Super Bowl ring and a new baby. Man, that's uh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It's a fantastic uh, night. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty stressful night, though. Uh, she well, had fact. to take an ambulance out of the stadium, which I will say is probably just because it's easily the fastest way out of the stadium. I mean, everybody knows how notoriously bad El, you know, Los Angeles traffic is. So, uh, yeah, can't uh, can't blame her for that. You know, I know she was getting some hate for it on the interwebs, but she's not going to get hate for it here. Everything that the Rams did well, though, they did have a couple weaknesses. And, you know, we're going to talk a little more about it when we do talk about the Bengals. But that run game was absolutely atrocious. Uh, I I can't explain it. Nobody was able to do anything here. Didn't matter who they had at running back. Michelle, Akers, Henderson, couldn't get it done. And then, uh, of course, Jalen Ramsey. Little controversial on the big touchdown he gave up, but I saw him get burnt several times, not to mention the last play of the game. Some controversy on that as well. We'll kind of save all the controversy for the end, much like how it happened in the game there, right? Man, it's uh, it might be the end of the road for a couple of Rams players and coaches as well. Vaughn Miller. He talked about potentially retiring after the game. I've also seen reports that he's looking for a massive extension, multi-million dollar deal, uh, somewhere in the two to five year range. I know two to five is a really weird That's a range. Big to say. number, yeah. Uh, right. It might be that I'm thinking five million somewhere being involved as a signing bonus or something. So just to be safe there, two to five years, right? Uh, and then Sean McVay at 36 years old, youngest coach ever to win the Super Bowl. Uh, he might be done. He might, you know, he's he's kicked around retiring. And, uh, man, what what do you guys think about McVay possibly retiring after this? I, I don't see it happening. Personally, I don't. He's getting into the prime of his coaching career. He's going to top this season. It's going to happen. Um, this is not going to be the pinnacle of his professional career, I don't think. Von Miller makes sense to me, and then I've also seen reports just to add to it that uh, Aaron Donald might be uh, might be considering retirement after this one too. Uh, yeah, I said that to you guys that right before reported, the game. That was reported right before the game started. Yeah, so, I mean that's been a discussion at least for a while apparently. But to be, I, I kind of don't buy that. <laughs> He's in the middle of a. He has three more years on his last contract extension and like 130 some million left on that deal. So I highly doubt he walks away. If he does, <laughs> if he does walk away, I will admit he is already a Hall of Famer. Uh, let's just look at the 
players that might retire from the Rams and then the rest of the retirees this year and talk about the 2020, what, seven Hall of Fame class, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, potentially Von Miller, potentially Andrew Whitworth, potentially Aaron Donald. Like that is a loaded Hall of Fame class already. And some of these guys haven't even retired yet. Tom Brady might not actually retire too, but that's a very oh, different I don't discussion. want to fight this all off season. <laughs> uh, I, I will say too, I want to correct myself. It, I think it was Aaron Donald that's looking for more money somewhere, uh, some additional bonus to stay. I I can't remember. I saw it in passing and looked through it. I know Vaughn Miller obviously was kind of a rental deal here for the Rams, and obviously you know the news about Aaron Donald before the game. I it's. It's going to be an interesting all season for the Rams. They've got a lot of guys potentially going to greener pastures here. I do, I do want to highlight Von Miller and Sean McVay for other things real quick. Von Miller uh, came out after the game and is quoted saying that he's never played for more in his life in a game of football. Said he played this one for uh, Demarius Thomas, played this one for his son, and then for his teammates. And I've got to give a shout out to Sean McVay, letting us all know how his. Uh, Sunday night was going after the game, telling us he was not going to remember it Monday morning. Fair enough. I wouldn't remember it either. Kaylee, we'll get to your, uh, your comment here in a minute. One other guy who had a, uh, an end uh, more than just the end of the game, but Taylor Rapp, end of his single life, he proposed to his girlfriend after the game, his longtime girlfriend. She said yes. Good for him. He got a ring. She got a ring. Great night for everybody. That's all we're going to talk about, specifically focused completely on the Rams. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Bengals here a little bit now, and uh, the Rams are going to they're going to come into this a little bit. Zach Taylor, man, first and foremost, coming out saying he's proud of his men. That was that's the big takeaway from his post game comments, and he absolutely should be. But dear God, get some offensive line help, and you need to tell your GM that is the only thing you want drafted. I've seen several joke drafts. Doug, you even made one, uh, where they draft seven offensive linemen, and as much as it is a joke, I don't think you can really say it's outside the realm of possibility. Oh, my God. I, on top of that, too, right, we were talking last year at the end of the season about, or even at the beginning of this season, about potential coaching hot seats. Zach Taylor was one of our guys that was starting to heat up, and you go from that to coaching your team to a Super Bowl, that's an absolute stellar turnaround. His seat is 100% safe now, but you're right. They need offensive line help, and they need it desperately. And this, this Bengals team was gutsy. Right, going for it on fourth down to open the game on the game opening Loved drive it. at midfield. That was ballsy. And then you have lockdown D for a majority of the game, which, by the way, I want to throw this out here. The reason this defense has been just so, I think the word I used last was consistent and steady, is yep. that this is completely rebuilt defense. And again, I was kind of in this crowd of, this team lost to the Bears badly. I can't take them seriously. So I didn't look into them a ton. But a completely rebuilt difference defense made a huge difference for this Bengals team. And the way they started the second half, just the grit this team played with all game, it really felt like they deserved to win it, right? 
Absolutely. Then you get into the latter part of the second half, and Joe Burrow gets sacked six times between, what, about four minutes left in the third quarter and the end of the game? Right. He got sacked once in the entire first quarter. Or first half, sorry. And that's one of the things that you tried to emphasize last week in the preview is, it's going to come down. The Bengals' offensive line is going to cost them this game. I think you actually said that. It, and, man, that second half got going. The Bengals finally got up, put up a score. They had the lead. And then the Rams' defensive line said, wait a minute, we're playing for a Super Bowl, and they turned it up. Not that they were playing bad in the first half, but they turned it to a different level in that second half. Absolutely I, insane. I want you to keep that in mind because we're going to talk about the last offensive play for the Bengals. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking game. about. Because I'll throw this out here, too. One of the things I said was Joe Burrow was very calm under pressure, despite the relentless pressure he got specifically against the Titans. He was able to still get it done. And by and large, he was able to do it for the Bengals in the Super Bowl as well, although he did have the same amount of touchdown passes as Joe Mixon. Love a trick play in the Super Bowl, right? By and large, I think he had as good of a game as Matt Stafford. You know, Matt Stafford obviously threw for more touchdowns, but those two interceptions in the second one wasn't necessarily on him. Right? I was it Skoranek? Is that is that how you say it? I was going to say the interceptions made up for that difference between Stafford and Burrow's performance. Yep. I mean, Burrow was not the reason they lost that game. So no, 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 not at all. And like I said, we'll get to get to the very end of that game here in a little bit but i i want to hit on this as well right this is the first time first time all season we've seen a turnover celebration result in taunting and both of these statements are true i hate the taunting rule and i hate that taunting has not been called all year on turnover celebrations and I guess this third statement's also true. I absolutely hate that it was called in the Super Bowl. I don't give a shit that this player was, this a non-uniform player joined the party because I've seen 32 fucking guys celebrating in the back of the end zone. They are they're obviously coming off the bench. Some of them are offensive starters, sure. But a lot of them are just random guys coming in and joining the celebration. But because he wasn't in a uniform, that's where you're going to throw the flag. It, this, this taunting rule. Absolutely has to go. Did did it overturn the interception? I thought they just got it, and it was half the distance. To they the got it. Yeah, they got it at the ten yard line instead. It didn't overturn yeah, okay. the interception, but okay. it's just it is absolutely ridiculous that that's the first time you throw the flag on that. And I so, think that was the first penalty of the game as well. Here, here's my thing on, on that entire situation. Number one, I get what you're saying, but if you're not in a uniform, stay on the sidelines. Don't care. I I get what you're saying. But still, number two, the only people that should be celebrating in the back of the end zone, and let's be honest, a lot of these defensive celebrations on turnovers are starting to just get annoying anyway. Mm-hmm. It should only be the 11 guys on the field. Or 10 nope. if you're dumb. I, you know, that works too. But just it, anybody, just and, like and that's, that's any where other sport, you come off the bench and it's a massive issue. Football, that's where my like, frustration eh. is. Because I, I understand that, oh, well, it's tough to tell who was on the field or not because the offense is going to start coming onto the field. Okay, the offense should not be going and fucking celebrating in the back of the end zone, right? They need to be going, no, getting in the correct. huddle, getting set up. 
if there's more than 11 guys that are celebrating, people obviously came off the bench. Not to mention, the next play has not started. The ball has not been spotted. Uh, The offense technically is, you know, if they're coming on the field and joining the celebration, they're technically coming off the bench for something other than playing the game, right? So So I get it. I understand why the flag was thrown. I still fucking hate it. So here's here's an idea. Here's an idea um, that would instantly cut away all of this nonsense. The uh, more than 11 men on the field penalty is applicable at any time, even during football stoppages. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Except timeouts. I will add that caveat. Right. Right. Timeouts or when, you know, I mean, substitutions as well, right? <laughs> so, you know, you, so got, you a, got 12 guys on the field for a minute on subs, right? I, I'm going to give you know, a, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. There are there would have to be a bunch of exceptions or whatever, but to make it to where, you know, 11 men on the field for a celebration is fine. Yep. But the coach is going to make sure that everybody gets off the field so that his offense can get on the field into a huddle in time. So it's gonna, I, it would fix all that. I will say at least they didn't run the ball all the way down to the Rams end zone because I've seen that before too. Yeah. Um, but then this all comes down to, again, something I'm sure you've heard before, Ben. Um, act like you've been there. Don't act like this is your first time intercepting the ball. Act like this is what you do, regardless of what stage you're on, and it's no big deal. I did my job, right? Act like you've been there before. That is celebrating. I'm all for celebrating big plays too, right? Like I, 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 I get it. I don't dislike that uh, that aspect of it, but what kills me is that you'll find a guy, flag and find a guy for a celebration for just looking at the fucking sideline, but that yeah. shit goes on unflagged until the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, that was, again, I think the first flag of the game, the rest really didn't throw a lot until some key points. And there was even one that they missed. We talked about it briefly. Bengals did everything right. They got a favorable call the second half. The only thing they really started doing wrong was letting Joe Burrow get hit as much as he did. Right. They swore on the opening drive, get an interception. Again, I believe it's Skoranek, Ben Skoranek, the tight end, who dropped a wide-open touchdown pass in the NFC Championship game for whatever reason. You know, I, everybody deserves a shot at redemption, but that ball bounced in and out of his hand. Interception for the Bengals. And, uh, yeah, T. Higgins definitely tried to rip Jalen Ramsey's helmet off. No offensive pass interference. Longest touchdown of the game. Joe Burrow's only passing touchdown of the game. No I mean, you, hit, you have your slew of penalties there. You can go OPI. You can go illegal hands to the face. He had his fingers wrapped up in the face mask. You could even go face mask on that one, right? He, you had your choice of penalty. And that being said, I missed it at first, too. It wasn't until they slowed it down on the replay that I noticed it, right? And this is why... Well, I'm also not paid. Yeah. Well, and, and Ramsey's head turns, right? So yep. I've seen... Again, this is part of why I hate Aaron Rodgers. Somebody touch his face mask. Or, you know, their hand brushes against it. Back of their hand. He turns his head. He gets the face mask call. Throw the flag. Review it. But, again, we can't have pass interference be reviewable anymore. I, it's it's a mess. I want to get down to the end of this game here. 
because there's a lot of controversy. Obviously, starting with the Rams scoring drive here, right? In my opinion, the play before the double flag call uh, should have been flagged for defensive pass interference because Daryl Henderson had a man draped on him and he dragged him for about three yards. No call. No call. Okay, whatever. The next play, I don't know what the hell the refs were calling because there should have been a false start. That play shouldn't have happened in the first place. I believe that's the play that everybody's talking about. It's being mislabeled all over Facebook. But if I remember right, that play shouldn't have happened. The whole offensive line moves, then the ball is snapped. I don't remember what the call on the offense was. I think it was holding potentially, or maybe a legal men downfield. I don't know what it was. It's irrelevant because it canceled out with a dead ball foul on the defense, even though it was unnecessary roughness. Even though Cooper Cup was in the air and was hit in the end zone, he hadn't touched down in the end zone yet. Like, the play's not dead. So I have a problem with the officials making the wrong call there. Uh, I get it. Stuff happens. That's clearly not a dead ball penalty. And then the big one, the pass interference on Cooper Cup in the end zone, that moved the ball to the one-yard line. This was three plays in a row just plagued by flags. I, I'll, I'll say this, regardless of what you want to say, I'm amazed that the Rams were able to score from the one-yard line on a pass. We've seen that backfire famously for the Seattle Seahawks. And, you know, trying to sneak it in with Matt Stafford isn't the route. I would have gone on first down, but second down – Finding your man, Cooper Cup, uh, Eli Apple talking all that shit, and then just gets burnt, out-positioned, out-worked uh, in the biggest play of the game. That's brutal. I, that's how it goes. You you know, I, I hate to say it, but if you run your mouth like that, you got to back it up. And that was not the only play Eli Apple got burnt in that game. He got burnt routinely. Him and Jalen Ramsey looked like a bunch of practice squatters that happened to be starting their first game, actually. If I'm... I'm being honest with the both of them. They both got burned the entire game. Um, man, I, I actually do have a real issue with them calling a dead ball foul. Because typically when you get that, it's either clear after the whistle. Or it's before the ball is snapped in a dead ball foul. False start is a dead ball foul. Right? You don't play the down. So if you're calling dead ball fouls in the middle of the play, that's... I have I have issues with that because you can call unnecessary roughness in the middle of the play. They do it all the time with roughing the passer. Those are considered dead ball fouls, right? So I I don't know what's going on. The the refs did get a little flag happy at the end of the game, which is the exact time where you don't want them to get flag happy because I was I was excited the entire game. The refs were letting them play, which is what you do at this stage. You call the obvious stuff and you let them play. And it was consistent on both sides for the majority of the game. Then those last couple plays happened. You missed one that I also want to bring up. Now that we're talking about these three, I do want to bring one up. Um, who here has seen the picture, the overhead picture of uh, Aaron Donald on the last offensive play, just because you had mentioned it earlier. So I know you oh, did we were We were getting there. We were getting there. I haven't been able to confirm that that was the last offensive play of the game. Uh, but it, if it was, he was clearly offsides. What I want to talk about a little bit more with that play, though, is not only did Jamar Chase burn Jalen Ramsey. Uh, what I think happened, offsides or not, 
the pressure finally got to Joe Burrow, right? He couldn't find a way, got happy feet, couldn't find a way to get open enough to be able to make that pass because he, Joe Burrow, we've seen his arm talent. He can flick his wrist and get it to Jamar Chase downfield yep. where he was, especially with where Jalen Ramsey was. I think that take take the controversy of this play out or potential controversy, yep. right? I'm not going to – I can't – I've seen the picture. I haven't been able to go back and actually look at the game, and I don't remember it like I remember the false start. The Rams finally got to Joe Burrow. I think that's really the story on this final play. I, he wasn't I, able to get any type of separation to get a, get a pass off, and that's the result. So I'm going to take this two ways. One, I do think the pressure got to Joe Burrow. I don't think it was the Rams. And two, just see what his running back did because he did get the ball off. His running back pulled the Cam Newton out of the backfield and never dove for the ball to make the catch for the first down. It was there. He had a chance. So I'm going to say the pressure of the moment got to Joe Burrow. He tried to force a play rather than just the pressure of the defense because the pressure of the defense is no different than what it's been the entire postseason. The only thing different is the moment, right? And then that running back, man, you have to die for that ball. At least give it a chance. Put, run, yeah. You, you need to put everything on the line for that play. You need to make it happen. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you on that. That is, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting end to the game. It's a shame that it had to end that way. But it's where we are, man. Uh, that's it's a brutal ending to what was a great yeah. season for the Bengals. You know, calls, other other issues. It sucks. Nobody nobody wants to see that, right? It it was a weird ending to a weird NFL year. And it, it does suck that it we're we're kind of getting a taint on this game, right? The calls, everybody's gonna talk about that forever. Right. Nobody's ever going to be satisfied with any type of answer on it. It's always going to be there. As far as the uh, the rest of the game, though, it was a great game. Best Super Bowl I've seen in years. The Rams getting the Lombardi Trophy again. Love to see it. Hate Stan Kroenke. What are you going to do, though, right? Not give him the trophy first, just to lead us into our next topic. Yeah, it's. I saw... I can't remember who it was. I I want to credit them, but I can't. The weirdest thing in American sports is the trophy being handed to the team owner first. Do you guys agree or disagree with that statement? I like the way hockey does it, and that should answer your question. Well, for people who don't know what that means. (laughs) Give it to the captain. Yeah, give it it to the captain. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the people who actually went out there and earned it. Give it to those yep. people. Not the people who bought it. Um, yeah, not, not the people who bankrolled them. Right, right. It's not the same thing. So, yeah, I agree. I, got, I agree, and I never really noticed it about the NFL because there is so much emphasis put on the Super Bowl MVP. Obviously, Cooper Cup was in Disney World the past, you know, yesterday at least, probably today a little bit as well. Uh. Yeah, there, uh, there's so much emphasis put on it that on, on the Super Bowl MVP on, and post, uh, post-game shenanigans, 
I had never really thought about it. I saw it and it really stuck out to me. I absolutely agree at this point. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think hockey does it the best. I can't for the life of me think how the MLB does it. All I remember the last time I cared about the world series was the final play. And, uh, <laughs> I haven't I haven't watched the NBA Finals in years. So, last but not least, our last Super Bowl related question: Which team do you guys think makes it back first? Honestly, it depends what happens with these retirements. The Rams are built for a win now team. The Bengals are honestly, it's a miracle the Bengals made it this far this year. Just completely putting it out there, right? Being completely honest, they held their own, but until they fix that offensive line, they, I don't see them getting back again because you can't continue to succeed that way. Getting sacked 70 times in a year and you somehow come out unhurt, that that's remarkable. Third um, most this season. Or th- I might have been third most all time. I know it was third, third most, most all time. Including play, yeah. That I was gonna say playoffs. seventy is not normal for a season, so no. the season would be. I don't wild. know. Did you watch the Bears this year? If you, they let up less than that the Bengals across, did. That was um, across two quarterbacks, though. <laughs> that's true. Um, if I'm looking at this, I have to make a prediction today of who's gonna get back first. I'm gonna say the Rams. If I ask who's gonna be successful longer term, it's gonna be the Bengals. I think it's probably gonna be the Bengals. Either way, if I had to, if I had to guess, uh, honestly, could be any, could be either of them. I, I think this is probably the biggest toss-up of toss-up questions we've ever had on this show. I would say the cap situation is going to definitely kill the Rams after next season. So, unless they go back next year, I would say the Bengals are probably. More likely, but even that's rough. I mean, it's it's really hard to make it back to the Super Bowl. It's hard to make it in the first place. You make it multiple times is really difficult. So we'll see. We'll just have Actually, to wait and see. The cap space might hurt the Rams this year because uh, they're already fourteen over. Yeah, the Saints figured that one out. But let's get it to next year when they're like 70 over, like the Saints are now, and then see Sean McVay retire like Sean Payton did. And uh... well, well, hold on. As of as of right now, the Rams only have 28 contracted players in 2023. So it's this season. Yeah, but aren't they paying Aaron Donald like $480 million next two years from now? So it's... it's yeah. You know. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's getting paid a lot. Matt Stafford's getting... You know, another five hundred million on top of that. So. Also, I don't think the Saints have figured it out. They're still seventy six. We'll we'll round up to seventy six million over the cap right now. Oh, I know. It's that's, that's what happens when you pay a tight end to be your quarterback for some reason. Just uh, last thing on the Super Bowl here. <laughs> Got to toot my own horn a little bit. I technically, technically, which is the best kind, won our Super Bowl predictions. All of our score guesses were way off, but I guess mine was just closer than Doug's here. Well, you were closer than me, and I guess I think you were like tied with Doug, but you picked the actual the winner. winner. Yeah, you win. But yeah, it's another Super Bowl made it within one possession. Shocker! You know, the last couple of years. 
Never could have guessed after the way a couple last couple seasons have gone. I mean, yeah. Ever since uh, Broncos Seahawks, we haven't had any. Uh, last year was a pretty big blowout. It doesn't feel like it, even. As crazy it, as that it sounds, was. It, it didn't seem like it was. I know that it was logically, but it, I'm saying since Broncos Seahawks, it, we haven't had any people that hasn't felt contested. So it's that's fair. What do you say, Doug? We got a we got something else to get into here. I'm so excited. This is. This is the greatest thing to ever happen to sports podcasting. So stay strap in, folks. <laughs> We're about to be talking about the greatest MVPs in NFL history. So to do that, we need to first go through a couple of the you know, play-in games. We didn't have an even bracket set up here. So to get to an actual field of 64, we need to go through three play-in games. This episode that we had your votes on this weekend on Instagram at BDT underscore football, on Twitter at BDT football, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash BDT football. You can find all of our polls, go vote in these polls, and you will make a difference in how this bracket turns out. We need your help. So... Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the very first matchup of today's three matchups. This one is featuring Paul Horning of the 1961 Green Bay Packers up against Fran the Man Tarkenton, 1975 Minnesota Vikings. And now on social media, all of our people went with Fran Tarkenton, but I now hand it off to you guys. Who do you think moves on? Man, I look at this, and this is a tough one for me because a halfback kicker, that's that's amazing. Uh, I love it. But then you, you look at his stats in 14 games, put up just under 600 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns, it's pretty good, and then a 65.2% field goal percentage, that's kind of trash. Then you look over at his uh, adversary here in Fran Tark- uh, Tarkenton, 12-2. NFL Central Champions, they still can't put it together. This was one of the uh, one of the kicker years for the Vikings, too, wasn't it? Mm, I have no clue. 1975 is forever ago. I, either way, what's really breaking this for me is 3,000 yards, just under 3,000 yards in 14 games in 1975 with a tw- uh, 64.2% completion percentage. Yeah, I'm, I'm leading Fran on this one. Yeah, I'm not gonna vote for the Packer. It's that, it's that simple. I'm going Fran Tarkenton. Wow, very, very astute. I I don't. I, Great analysis. I can't honestly give you anything more than that. It's just it's that simple. I'll give you something then. Uh, Paul Horning is given kind of a lifetime achievement award here with what that Packers backfield was able to do over the past couple of seasons, not just 1961, but basically from the mid-50s to the mid-60s. Paul Horning was a big part of that. And, you know, through that, he only had 600 yards rushing. You know, you can say whatever you want to. Halfback was not the same thing that it is. I know. But Fran Tarkenton is one of those kind of guys that revolutionized what it means to play that position 
right now in the NFL. So that's pretty incredible. And seeing what he was able to do in 1975 still holds up today. You know, that would be a good season today. So that's pretty impressive. And Fran Tarkenton does move on undefeated in this particular matchup. That's pretty crazy. And I don't think we get Michael Vick, Deshaun Watson, uh, these mobile quarterbacks. We don't get them without Fran Tarkenton. He was the OG mobile quarterback. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to vote for Paul Horning because he's a Packer. That is really the basis of why I'm not voting for him. But he's also more of a college guy to me, right? So awesome that he was able to win not just the Heisman and have the Paul Horning Award named after him. And, you know, had a career in the NFL, won the MVP. But, yeah, there's no chance I'm voting for him. I mean, you can say he's a college guy all you want to. He did make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump to our next matchup here. Uh, so there was a co-MVP situation in 2003. We needed your help on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook to put this to rest. Who was the better MVP in 2003, Peyton Manning and Steve McNair, the Colts and Titans, respectively. Now, social media all went with Peyton Manning, but now let's hand it over to you guys. Who do you think? So I do want to highlight something that if the Titans were 12-4 and in co-AFC South champions, um, then the Colts were the other 12-4 and team that was also co-AFC South champions. But that being said, the Colts had a better postseason run there. That's not what we're looking at. Me looking at this on the surface, who meant more to their team, it, that could go either way. But overall, Peyton Manning put up the better stats there. Right? That when you compare the stats side by side, this is this is Peyton Manning for me, 100%. My dog is dying over here. This wasn't even the best <laughs> season for uh, Steve McNair, in my opinion. Obviously, 99 had a great season, led his team to the Super Bowl. Had more passing yards both of the previous two years. Man, it is it's a tragic end that we're talking about with Steve McNair as well. That doesn't really factor into my vote or anything, just RIP, right? I can't vote for the UT guy, even though numbers-wise and team performance-wise, Peyton Manning did have a better season. Those Titan teams were sweet. A lot of it was on Steve McNair, and a lot of it was on Eddie George as well. But coming back to it, fewer interceptions, only one fewer touchdown. I I want to go with Steve McNair. I'm going to go with Steve McNair, not to mention the fact there are other seasons where Peyton Manning wins the MVP solely. And I think that has to knock him a little bit, even if I'm the only one that's going to knock him for it. I was going to say one fewer touchdown, three fewer interceptions, a thousand less yards. (laughs) I'm sorry. I get where you're coming from, and I respect it. I didn't want this one to be a sweep, so I'm happy with what you're doing. Um, I just – I can't look past the yards in that situation. I, I can't. No, I think it's absolutely fair. But it's worth bringing up, too. Uh, who was Steve McNair throwing the ball to? Right. I mean, we talked about it last week. There's Eddie a... George. <laughs> we talked about it last week. There's a wide receiver that absolutely should have been inducted into the Hall of Fame oh, yeah. with Peyton Manning or this year. 
Reggie Wayne and uh, Steve McNair never really had a guy like that. So, yeah, okay, I don't mind Peyton Manning winning. I'm kind of you know tongue in cheek saying the whole thing about him going to UT. I am very serious about my Packers hate though. Uh, yeah, Peyton Manning, move him on. And with that, we go ahead to our third and final matchup of the day, which is the 1997 MVP. It was also one of two co-MVP years. We just saw the other one. So we need to decide who is the better MVP of 1997 with your help on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and everything. So we have Brett Favre and Barry Sanders, two guys in the same division going head-to-head this time. Now, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram all went with Barry Sanders. But I want to get your guys' take. What do, you, what do we think? I will give everybody ten guesses who Ben's picking, and the first nine don't count. <laughs> right. Um, now, looking at this, when I'm comparing the quarterback stats to the running back stats, a lot of it screams off very similar to me on the page. You know, Honestly, not very good touchdown to turnover or, in Barry Sanders' case, fumble ratio. Not a great completion percentage for Favre. Outstanding yards per carry ratio for for Barry Sanders. But the thing that sticks out to me the most, Barry Sanders did this on a 9-17 for the Lions and put up over 2,000 yards, which, was this the first time that's happened in NFL history? No. Okay. It was a pretty good one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it's still remarkable today when we have 2,000-yard seasons. Right. I I want to vote Brett Favre, so it's not a sweep. But in this case, I actually think it's deserved. I'm going Barry Sanders. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm going Barry Sanders. But more than just the fact that I'm not going to vote for Brett Favre, as much as I don't hate him near as much as I do Aaron Rodgers, uh, this was not his best season. I think he kind of won the co-MVP here solely because he's Brett Favre and he played for the Packers and he took his team to the Super Bowl, which they lost, by the way. So, yeah, I I think that's why he ended up being a co-MVP here because Barry Sanders absolutely meant more to his team than Brett Favre did. Uh, And you've noticed these, uh, these first few graphics here. Uh, We've got the little BDT logo. That's just symbolizing who won our, uh, your vote, right? Your social media vote. So don't think that that has swayed us and made us make our choice in any direction, one way or another. That's just simply letting you know what you, the people, the BDT fans have picked. And uh, you'll notice it'll be absent from the next set of pictures we get to, because while we have moved these guys on, Doug, you want to take it away and intro our, uh, our next section of the bracket here? Oh, yeah. We have plenty of matchups to get through the next couple of episodes. We're going to be going kind of rapid fire through some of these matchups as we head towards the NFL draft. We want to get this bracket wrapped up and put in place who is the real MVP of NFL history. So our first matchup next episode will be Tom Brady of the 2010 New England Patriots against Alan Page, the first ever defensive player to win it in 1971 for the Minnesota Vikings. After that, we have the Cleveland Browns, Brian Sight in 1980, versus the very next year, 1981, another Ohio quarterback, Ken Anderson of the Cincinnati Bengals, 
pretty fun matchup there. I love the mustache on Ken Anderson, by the way. I love that <laughs> old helmet, too, man. Right? I know. Uh, the next matchup, Peyton Manning in 2009 versus 2001 Kurt Warner. This is the second MVP for Kurt Warner. And I believe the third MVP for Peyton Manning. So, an interesting matchup there. Kind of deep into their careers. Let's see who, how these guys stack up against each other. The fourth I gotta, matchup. I got to say, yeah. I love that Puma used to make football jerseys. And I love that it was the Rams that had the Puma jerseys. I, I, I've <laughs> always loved that. I've never found an applicable time to talk about it, but here we are. Now that we're looking at it, right? Right. Uh, next matchup is 2017. Tom Brady, very deep into his Patriots career. You know, what it, What actually is that? 18 years deep into this time in New England? 17, <laughs> yeah. Pretty wild. Up against Terry Bradshaw in his only ever MVP season. That, Terry Bradshaw, also known as Thomas Brady, if you worked at a local ER. <laughs> that was a story that we had quite a while ago. Oh, I um, love it. <laughs> fun, fun match up there. Uh, oh. Next up, we have Joe Montana of the 1989 San Francisco 49ers, his first MVP, up against Marcus Allen his only MVP of the 1985 Los Angeles Raiders. This was before they moved back to Oakland. Thank you for saying back. Thank you. <laughs> you know, wild, wild time for the Raiders. But, man, I, I really loved that San Francisco team. And Joe Montana winning his first one when they were Super Bowl champions that year. Special story, but Marcus Allen, what an incredible season for him as well. Fun matchup there. Worth Next. mentioning, even in their short time in L.A., L.A. is still a Raiders city, if oh, you yeah. ask most of the football fans there. So Absolutely. we didn't talk about that too much with the, the botched pep rally for the Rams, but it's because L.A. is a Raiders city. Don't you worry. That's how important branding is, by the way. Let's just <laughs> – anyway – We'll talk about that more when we get back to that part of the bracket next episode. But the next matchup we will have Joe Theismann, quarterback of 1983 Washington Redskins, up against the second-ever defensive player to win the MVP and the most recent defensive winner of MVP, Lawrence Taylor, in 1986. So again, very close proximity in years, but... Very different kind of player there. It'll be a fun conversation. And next up. I know who Ben's voting for on this one. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of why I started laughing. Kurt Jones, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you don't stand a chance because the next year after you won it in 1976, we had Walter Payton win it in 1977. Sweetness, baby. Burt Jones was a quarterback for the Baltimore Colts. That gets forgotten so often through the annals of NFL history. I mean, he was sandwiched by you know, Johnny Unitas and Earl Morrill. Burt Jones led the Colts to an AFC East championship in 1976, won the MVP doing so. But then the year after that, we had Walter Payton. So, I mean, wild time to be an NFL fan, I'm sure. That, yeah, Walter Payton. That 
for the match. I, I almost <laughs> almost wish you'd use a picture of him with just his headband that said sweetness, but I do love this picture too. Can't 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 lie. Next up, we have a battle of the running backs, O.J. Simpson, in 1973, up against the very first MVP in NFL history, 1957, Jim Brown. Wow, what a matchup there, because O.J. Simpson kind of redefined what Jim Brown set in motion. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing to see, and I think it's a great final matchup for us. Yeah, uh, going into next week. I know that's a whole lot of matchups to keep on top of. Eight different matchups in the next episode. So that's why we need your help voting so that we get the actual best candidates moving forward in this bracket. Need your help. Instagram, BDT underscore football. And then both Facebook and Twitter, we're at BDT football. So... Anywhere you can think to vote, you can also just email us. Go to our website, bdtfootball.com. You can find our email address on there, contact page on there, you know, mailbox at bdtfootball.com. You can also reach out to us on Patreon if you're so inclined, patreon.com slash bdtfootball. If you vote on there, your guy is automatically moving on, by the way. If you (laughs) vote for a guy, so I'm just putting it out there. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have anything else to add. Uh, I don't know if you guys do, but I am I'm hyped to get into this bracket and I'm very excited that we already got it started in I'll agree with you that I'm not above being bought out. So <laughs> anybody that wants to go ahead and throw some money at Patreon to get your guy to move on, um yeah, go for it. Just make sure you're labeling all of the Packers players. Right. That's fine. <laughs> I'll talk about how dirty your organization is. That's absolutely fine. Does not. <laughs> and then proceed feelings. to move them on. And I'll proceed to take your money. It will not hurt my feelings <laughs> one bit. It's oh, Mondays, or, well Tuesday. So, so does that mean it's? Well, before before we get to that, I did want to have a little bracket time cleanup here. Uh, obviously, putting these polls up on Instagram and Twitter, or Instagram and Facebook. Sorry. I can't control how long they're up. They're up for 24 hours, and once the results are gone, they're gone. We didn't get any type of different result when I reposted it. These were the same. I just wanted to get, have the numbers and the analytics to you know, make sure I wasn't going insane there. So we shouldn't see you know, a, a bracket time poll on Instagram or Twitter more than once this week. That being said, it is Tuesday night, and uh, if you're an audio listener, it'll be Wednesday before you hear this. And uh, just look for those polls on Instagram and Facebook Wednesday night. It'll be late Wednesday night, and uh, that'll just help have us give us a 24-hour period leading into the starting of the recording on Thursday. This will be our final uh, second, you know, late week recording coming up here. And uh, yeah, Twitter, I'll get those up Wednesday morning. So hope or hopefully get them up Wednesday morning. So you should be able to see those pretty bright and early to get your Twitter votes in. Go ahead and vote all three places. Not going to hurt my feelings. More numbers. Help your guy out a little bit more as well. And, uh, yeah, I think that about does it. I don't think there's any other bracket time things here. You, of course, can still vote during the show next week because we aren't going to have two shows. Go, Feel free. Feel free to drop who your favorite is when we're talking about them in the chat if you watch us live on Twitch or Facebook. 
and let us know who you want to move on. We'll definitely take it in consideration. Uh, but if it's Aaron Rodgers, I definitely will not take it into consideration. <laughs> I do want to say before we get too much further into bracket time, uh, we do have a couple people that are new to the show ever since we got onto Twitch live. You know, if you haven't seen our bracket time before, we may go against your votes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. To do so, we have to be absolutely unanimous consent across the board. And we will explain why. We will have logical reasoning why that happened. It may happen. It has been extremely rare that it has happened. But, you know, that's why you got to stay tuned to the show. But here's the good help news us talk, so yeah, But here's the good news now. Now that we're live, if we're going that direction, they can actively fight us in the chat and debate us, right. debate with us in the chat to help keep their guy moving on. That's exactly where I was headed, so thank you for tuning in with that. Because I yes, got you. If you want to debate us, we are live on Twitch right now at Big Dudes in the Trenches on Twitch. So, all one word. Right. Don't just tune in to this audio podcast. Tune in live. You can see us. You can hang out with us in the chat. And you can debate us during bracket time. I'm totally up for that. I know my co-hosts are as well. Absolutely, man. And uh, thank you all for tuning in here tonight. But I do have a fact for everybody. Oh, boy. Did you know (laughs) clams can live for up to 400 years? That is a lot longer than I will live. I, I, was, that. I was not a lot ready. longer than I will live, too. Yeah, wasn't ready for thinking that there's a clam that was alive during the American Revolution that is still alive today. I'm, I was not ready for that. Well, you already ate him because you live in Rhode Island, so you already had him in your chowder. You're not wrong. Chowder. <laughs> chowder. Yeah. Anyway, that, I think that's all the time we have on the show today. I want to send out a personal thank you to the Rams. Uh, for proving that you can't win a game if you can't win the trenches.